Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. All right, what has five eyes and might hurt your ears? Cicadas. Well, the insects aren't making a racket yet, but they are beginning to emerge. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. If you've been in the Chicago area in the summer, you know this sound. The chirping of the cicada. Just the males, by the way. Next summer, we are set to be inundated with the insects as 13- and 17-year periodical cicadas emerge from underground. Some of them are coming out early, and you might catch a glimpse this Memorial Day weekend. Here to tell us everything you ever wanted to know about cicadas, and maybe more, is Alan Lawrence, Associate Curator of Entomology at Chicago's Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. All right, let's start with a pretty straightforward question, Alan. What are cicadas? Oh, cicadas are large insects uh, that have these piercing-sucking mouth parts. They tap into plants and suck their plant juices out as they're young. Uh, depending on the species, they can live underground anywhere from about four years if they're an annual cicada or 13 or 17 years if they're one of these periodical cicadas. When they emerge, they do this loud scream, a big mating call, and then they're mm-hmm. kind of done. You know, They'll and be around for about a month. They make a big splash, and then, yeah. and then they're done. Uh, next year is a big one for what is known as, as you mentioned, the periodical cicada in the Midwest. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so these periodical cicadas have different populations that are broken up into what are called broods. In the northern half of Illinois, we have brood 13 of 17-year periodical cicadas. In the southern half of Illinois, we have brood 19 of 13-year cicadas. They're synchronized to emerge at the same time this year. So across the state, you're going to hear the chorus of these insects singing. It's going to be Fabulous, in my opinion. I thought you said they're synchronized swimmers. <laughs> I was like, what? They're in the water too. So you brought—I'm distracted, Alan, because you brought a big. There's a big wooden box next to you. You brought some specimens, right? Yeah. What do you have? I have some specimens here of periodical cicadas from Brood 13 in the Chicago region that were collected back in 1956. So they're dead. So they're dead. They've been dead since 1956. Okay. <laughs> Just want to be clear. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, you know. They're not going to hop over here on the other side of the mic and attack me in any way. Not as long as we keep keep the lid on. <laughs> so what do you have in there specifically? Yeah, so these are the periodical cicadas uh, that will come out. So they are black with these red eyes and orange wings, really brightly colored and beautiful. And then we also have some of the nymphs. So you can see what they look like when they live underground. They have these... Um, claws that are really good at grabbing, and they use those to hold onto the trees when they emerge out of the mud. We also have some of these mud holes that they come out of. They grab onto the trees, and they have to hang on, and their back splits open, and the cicada kind of hangs out, and they expand their wings. All of that. They're so strong, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And they're they're fairly small. Yeah, they're quite a bit smaller than the cicadas that we hear every year, and they're also not quite as loud individually, but there's going to be so many more of them emerging at one time. They're Together, they're going to be much louder. <laughs> right. They're a force when they're together. Um, I'm seeing red eyes, right? Is it true that they have five eyes? Yeah, they have their two compound eyes on the side of their head, and then they have three smaller, simple eyes called ocelli just on the top of their head. So they must have just incredible vision. Yeah, they can definitely see uh, uh, their peripheral vision is definitely a lot, quite a <laughs> bit wider than ours. <laughs> peripheral vision I, I wish I had, right? Um, so even if... if they hadn't uh, seen one up close, there's a pretty good chance that people have heard a cicada, right? How is it that 
such a small thing makes such a loud noise. Yeah, they have this organ called a timbal, which is basically the stiff membrane that they vibrate. And every time it, it flexes, it makes a sound. And their muscles can vibrate this really, really, really fast, which makes that sort of shrill. Yeah. And then their bodies, you notice they're big. A lot of their body is filled with air. They have these air sacs that act as echo chambers to amplify the sound. And that's how it gets so much louder than you would expect. Yeah. And you mentioned a moment ago that these ones, they aren't quite as loud as some of the other ones. So what makes the difference? Yeah. Uh, it's their body size, oh, probably, because okay. so they're smaller. Oh, how big they are. Um, but what I think is so cool about the periodical cicadas is that in this, this northern brood, there are three different species. They all look the same, so they really are kind of like a choir wearing the uniform. If you hear them, though, they each have an individual call. They look very much the same, but they sound very different. So when you hear that whole sound, listen really closely, and you can start to pick out the different voices. Wow, and, and some in, in the box, they're like quite larger than the others. Oh, yeah. We have some tropical specimens here just to show you how ah. big they can get in the world, but not in Illinois. And the, the wings on those things. Look at that. Yeah, they are, their wings are gorgeous. <laughs> they, are, they are pretty gorgeous. Um, so what role do cicadas play in our ecosystem? Yeah, cicadas are really important with nutrient cycling. Mm. They are taking advantage of a resource that is generally pretty nutrient poor. They're feeding from the xylem of trees. Um, and what they're doing is accumulating nutrients over time, over that 13 or seven years, it takes 17 years it takes them to develop. And when they all emerge, eventually they're going to expire. You're going to find piles of their bodies and they're returning those nutrients to the soil and helping plants grow and also oh. helping animals that eat them in that year. Okay. What do they eat? And, and tell us more about who eats them aside from... Oh, know. yeah. So the cicadas, they're, they're tapped into the plants. They're just sucking out plant juices. Okay. And That's their thing. What eats them? Basically, any animal that eats bugs. So squirrels, birds, um, you know, foxes, dogs. I hear can be quite a fan sometimes. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I also, I'm today years old. Uh, I ju I just learned that humans eat them too. Some oh, adventurous humans. Yeah, they are edible. True? They're non toxic. So. Feel free. Um, there are some people who will go out, and if you collect them <laughs> as they're emerging before their wings stiffen, their the texture is a little better. <laughs> so. Why would people want to eat them? Because uh, they're just a really great source of uh, nutrition uh, without too much fat. And it's it's just so widely available. It's have you there. tried one? I haven't had the chance, okay. but maybe this year. <laughs> maybe this year. This is the year? <laughs> I have eaten insects, just not a cicada. Just not this one. Uh, what's the difference between uh, cicadas and locusts? Oh, yeah. So common names are tricky. Some people will call cicadas locusts. Oh, but they? generally, when we're talking about a locust, we're referring to a grasshopper. Um, there are some grasshoppers that can uh, be gregarious and, you know, fly around together and do massive damage to crops. Those those are usually what we're talking about. Mm, okay. So tell us, Alan, what, what is it that prompts cicadas to emerge from the ground after so many years? I mean, like, how do they know in their own cicada world when it's time? That's kind of one of the great big mysteries. Huh. They must have some sort of internal clock. Um you know, insects, as they grow, they shed their skin between each life stage. Um, and when cicadas are immature, they have their first molt takes one year. Mm -hmm. Every molt after that takes four years. And so when they reach the final molt, they emerge as an adult. Mm. But what triggers them to leave the ground and emerge is when the temperatures underneath the soil get warm enough and oftentimes following a rain. I see. So I I'm curious then how they would be affected by climate change. Yeah, well, if the soil temperatures underground get warmer, that would speed up their development and perhaps they could come out too early. Yeah. 
What's the most fascinating part of, of cicada life to you as an entomologist? Oh, my gosh. There are so many fascinating things. Um, oh, there's this fungus that can infect cicadas Ooh. called Massospora. Okay. It fills their body cavities. And then as they fly, this is a little morbid, yes. their, their abdominal segments start to fall off. And as that happens, they're spreading these spores across the landscape. They've been dubbed, some call them flying salt shakers of death. Oh my gosh. Pieces of their abdomen are missing. They're still flying around and then they're spreading this, this pathogen around. Oh my goodness. My, for those who can't see me, my, I just had to like lift my, my jaw up <laughs> off the ground. Wow. Oh. Also, my favorite thing about the periodical cicadas, their survival strategy is sort of they emerge in mass. Anything that eats them can eat as many as they want and enough will survive that their populations can continue. Mm -hmm. So they really have no instinct to flee. The uh, annual cicadas that you'll hear every year, you may hear them. You very rarely see them. These cicadas will be out in the open. If you go stand next to them, uh, when I went to see Brood 10 a few years ago mm -hmm. in Indiana, they would just fly right on me. They do not care. You can pick them up. They're just going to be there in piles. So really, this is your chance to see them up close if you've never had the chance. What does the term brood refer to? Because that's, that's something that you hear uh, about, you know, with cicadas specifically. How many different broods are there here in the Midwest? Right. Oh, I'm not sure exactly how many there are, but uh, we have up to brood 19 in Illinois. So wow. I probably 20-something broods, uh, maybe more. Um, and that is just a discrete population of synchronized cicadas that emerge. Since they only emerge every, you know, 17 or 13 years, depending where they are, um, only while they're out for that month can they mate with each other and reproduce. So any other cicadas mm -hmm. that are emerging at, at a different cycle time, they're not going to breed with each other. So they're really discrete populations. Interesting. Well, we talked a moment ago about, you know, cicadas knowing when it's time to, to come out of the ground and, and you're talking about their incredible sort of sixth sense, right? And figuring that out. What happens if they come out early? Yeah, if they come out too early, um, there won't be other cicadas to mate with. And that's just kind of a dead end for them. Oh, wow. So a short life. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'm really interested in, though, is that this uh, this 17-year brood in the northern half in Illinois and the 13-year brood in the southern half over overlap a little bit, especially if you're around the Springfield area. And what we're curious to see is if they hybridize, how long will it take for their offspring to emerge? Is it going to be somewhere in between? We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, I mean, you talked about why this is so fascinating, but I, w what made you want to study this in the first place, Alan? Oh, I mean, I just, I just love insects. Period. I never outgrew my bug collecting Were you that face kid? as a child. Yeah, I was yeah, that I can kid. Just picture the jars, you know, in and around your room. Oh yeah, I just, like mother accidental Mother's Day gifts of bringing a jar of snails into the house and not putting <laughs> the lid on, and then having to chase them down by following their slime trails. Yeah, accidental Mother's Day. I was a great kid. <laughs> how, how how did she react? I'm curious. Um, with a lot of laughter. I was I was lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do are there other folks in your family that that do this kind of work, or do they find? Are you are you the fun one at the the Thanksgiving dinner table, or? I'd say I'm the fun one. Everybody else in my immediate family is in medicine, so oh, okay. none of us are easily grossed out. So they're on <laughs> That's board. Pretty good. I was just picturing just people crowding around you for, for like new stories. Like, <laughs> what else can you share with us, Alan? I'd say, oh, let's go outside and see what I can find. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so cicadas, they, they live for a long time. They, they seem pretty unique. What else are they related to? Yeah, they are related to uh, plant hoppers. If in tree hoppers, there's there's a whole group of animals called the blank hoppers. Just add a, add a adjective hopper. It probably exists. 
um, that just look like little itty bitty mini cicadas. So, you know, whenever you look at a leaf, just look closely. You might see what looks like a tiny cicada on there. Right. And so once they emerge, basically what we need to know here is once they emerge, their lifespan, it's pretty short. Yeah. Most of their time is spent as a juvenile underground, just slowly developing. Yeah. And then as an adult. They're developing for a long time. But then once they're out. Yep. It's kind of quick. It's pretty quick. For these periodical cicadas, they're going to be emerging either very end of May, early June. They'll be around for just a month, and then they're kind of done. And then that's it. So I no longer need to be scared of these things? They're oh, not, no. They're not after humans? They're absolutely harmless. Uh, you can pick <laughs> them up. They are vegetarians. They're not going to eat you. So Thank you. That's, that's, that's all I wanted. <laughs> that's all I wanted to hear. We've been talking with entomologist Alan Lawrence from the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum here in Chicago. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Daniel Tucker, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Ethan Schwab. Get the latest news by subscribing to our podcast and newsletter. You can find us wherever you get podcasts and sign up at wbez.org slash Reset News to get Reset in your inbox every morning. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.